Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. I wasn't surprised to learn that elite runners talk to themselves. I wasn't surprised at all to know that that elite runners do this thing called self-talk. Perhaps you're familiar with it. Maybe you've done it yourself. Maybe not in an exercise or running context. Maybe you've been afraid or scared. You You felt your heart begin to elevate. Maybe you've been frustrated or angry. You've had to tell yourself, just calm down. Take a deep breath. You can do this. Or perhaps in a running or exercise context, maybe you've, maybe you've done some self-talk. Maybe you've told yourself only a mile more to go or only one more set or only one more rep till you're done. I had a, I had a form of self-talk that, that emerged for me in, in high school and in college as a football athlete. In the summer, I would begin training for a football camp in the football season. And I had to show up in a certain kind of conditioner or fitness and and pass a conditioning test. And so in preparation for that conditioning test, I would begin running ever longer sets of runs throughout uh, throughout the summer. And on these hot summer days, inevitably, my legs would get exhausted and tired. My muscles would start burning and and I would just want to quit and stop. And what happened was I began to do this visualization and and self-talk exercise that helped me power through and get through these difficult these difficult points in the run. I would imagine I was a football receiver, wide receiver, and I imagined catching the ball on the 50-yard line and turning upfield and, and with only a few defenders to beat to race for the end zone. And I would start telling myself, you're at the 50, the 45, the 40, the 35, the 30. And inevitably, in my self-talk and visualization exercises, I scored that touchdown. But what was amazing was the level of energy and adrenaline that helped me take those steps and to continue running when I wanted to quit. Now those visualization exercises were incredibly helpful, though I must caution you and I must confess that even though they were helpful in the moment of training, they didn't always translate to guaranteeing that I would outrun the defenders on the football field. I, I learned that when I returned to punt. I was also a punt returner, busted through the line and, and turned upfield along the sideline 50, 45, 40, but sadly was dragged down by the punter at the five-yard line and Some college football teammates still haven't let me live that down. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I did find that self-talk and visualization exercise incredibly helpful when I ran. And now, I'm not surprised at all to learn that elite runners utilize self-talk as a tool to achieve great success and to run at an elite level. Now, I wasn't surprised at all to learn that, but I was surprised to learn just how elite runners talk to themselves. You see, they've learned what is the most effective kind of self-talk. The most effective kind of self-talk doesn't dabble in generalities. It's not just, keep it up, you can do this. It's not, you've only got 10 more miles to go. It's not, it's not you've trained for this, you've got this. No, it's not generalized positivity. No, instead, it's very specific self-talk that focuses on the mechanics of running, that focuses on the musculature, the posture and the breathing that make running happen well. And so elite runners will say things to themselves like breathe in and breathe out to keep their breathing in rhythm and regular and give them the oxygen they need. It it means focusing on things like their musculature and, and relaxing their 
relaxing their shoulders. They'll self-talk by saying, relax your shoulders, very targeted specific muscle groups that need to be relaxed so that unnecessary energy isn't wasted. It's focusing on the postures, staying upright, squeeze your abs so that running each step will be as effective as it needs to be, especially when fatigue and exhaustion set in. Focusing on the specifics of running, on the musculature, on the posture, and the breathing proves to be the most effective form of self-talk. Generalities just won't do. I suspect St. Paul wouldn't be too shocked or surprised to learn that generalities won't do. Because we see in Romans chapter 12, St. Paul digging into the idea and the concept and the meaning of love. Because... Just saying generally love one another. Just saying generally love is all you need. Just saying generally love, love, love isn't quite enough, especially when things get tough, when life is hard, when circumstances are difficult. You need to focus on what, what is most important and most specific that makes love work. And so in this beautiful, beautiful moment, Paul unpacks the meaning of love for the church at Rome what it means to follow in the way of God in the love of Jesus Christ. Let love be sincere, Paul says in Romans 12, 9, and then begins to unpack what love looks like in very specific ways. Now, you might be more familiar with um, 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage there. Again, in that, in that place, Paul unpacks love. Paul isn't content just to say love one another or, or, be, or be loving. Paul wants to unpack what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envious or boastful or rude. Love unpacks the shape and the specific character of love. And in a parallel way for the church at Rome, Paul does it again. He unpacks the shape and character of love. He gets specific about what love looks like and what makes love work. And I want to suggest that just as elite runners focus on the musculature and the posture and the breathing of running, so too Paul focuses on the musculature and the posture and the breathing that makes love work, especially when things get tough. In Romans 12, chapter 12, in Romans 12, verse 12, Paul specifically says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. I want to suggest that the posture of love, the posture of love we can focus on when, when it gets hard and when it gets difficult to love, when, the, when a season of stress and difficulty and challenge, sorrow and sadness surround us like we're in right now and so much of life has been thrown off, when we might experience the anxiety and the uncertainty that is all around us, when we might not be sure what the, the best path forward is or what will happen in the fall, in these circumstances when it's difficult to love, what's going to help us through is not, is not saying love is all you need and just love, but instead to focus on what makes love work, like the kind of posture you need for love, which is a posture of joy and rejoicing. Rejoice in hope, Paul says. Find ways in your life to rejoice and to celebrate, to laugh and to smile, because sometimes that's difficult when you're weighed down by anxiety and uncertainty. When sorrow and sadness are everywhere around us, when there's this contentious situation with trying to sort through just what the best next step is, it can be difficult to find reasons to rejoice, but our, our energy and our focus can be not on the generalities of love, but on the specifics of the mechanics of love, the posture of love 
is rejoicing in hope. My, my heart, my spirit was lifted in joy, in hope, in watching youth lead worship last Sunday. South Elkhorn youth led in worship and shared their gifts of, of, of prayer, of scripture reading, of, of music, of song, and of sharing in some amazing, honest, and inspiring reflection. My kids, who sometimes, I'll confess, have a difficult time listening to an entire 10 or 15 minute sermon from dad. They must hear dad speak plenty enough as it is. Nevertheless, we're glued into this worship service and you could just see the smile and the awe and the inspiration on their faces. My daughter said, said to me, maybe I can play the piano like that as she watched one of the youth just beautifully play, play the piano. No, my, my heart, <laughs> my heart was lifted and, and, and love comes easier, comes more fully when we, when we find reasons to rejoice, when we experience and express joy. And so I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to experience and express joy next Sunday at the Pentecost Parade on Pentecost Sunday, May 31st at 1130. You're invited to come and to participate in a Pentecost Parade when we can do uh, what Paul says in, in Romans 12, which is outdo one another and showing honor to one another. We normally honor our high school graduates and our preschool graduates in worship. And since we can't be in person inside of the church building, instead we're going to have a reverse parade where graduates and their families will be in the church parking lot and you'll be able to drive through and to decorate your car in the color of Pentecost, which is red, and to celebrate and to enjoy the creativity of the moment and, and to be able to honor our graduates and to be able to experience the joy that is necessary to make love work, especially in difficult and hard moments. Rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. Well, if that's the, if that's the posture of love, being upright in joy, well, then the, the, musculature of joy, the musculature of love is relaxing and being patient, especially in times of suffering. Especially in times of suffering. I realized recently that my fatigue and exhaustion that I was experiencing, that I was feeling, is partially a result of constantly searching, constantly trying to figure out what's coming next. What's coming next when we have school in the fall? When will we be able to reopen the church in a meaningful and safe and feasible way? What will it look like in July and August? Will we have a vaccine? I realized that in all my endless searching for answers and trying to conceive of what the future would look like, that, that I was being exhausted and depleted. I liken it to a cell phone that is searching for a Wi-Fi signal. When you're not connected to a Wi-Fi signal, your phone is still looking for one. And all the energy it takes to look for a Wi-Fi signal when there isn't one to pick up depletes your cell phone battery. In fact, it depletes it much faster than you might realize or recognize. One of the best ways you can preserve your cell phone battery when you're not connect, when you have no reason to connect to a Wi-Fi signal is to turn off that function on your phone that's searching for a Wi-Fi signal. And in the same way, it's difficult. We have very little capacity to love when we're, when we're constantly searching for some way forward instead of being patient in the midst of the difficulty and the uncertainty right where we are and finding ways right where we are to creatively express our love and to experience that love. Later on in Romans 12, Paul will say, Paul will say, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In a word, compassion. Suffer with, compassion, passion, suffering, come with. 
suffer with, enter into the lives of others. Don't, don't, don't be too eager to rush ahead, but instead be present where you are. Be patient in the midst of this because God has something to teach us in this time of uncertainty. God has something to teach us in this time of disruption, in this moment when our routines and our rhythms have been thrown off. God has something to teach us. Be patient in suffering. I don't believe that God has somehow orchestrated this virus and orchestrated this economic disruption and orchestrated this sadness to teach us a a lesson. Nevertheless, I do think that in the midst of the suffering and the hardship, a lesson can still be learned and that God can redeem any moment because God is present in every moment. Be patient in suffering. Later on in Romans, Paul will encourage uh, the will encourage the church to love, to love, to love others, including those who persecute you. Paul will say, "Bless and do not curse them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them." I, it's kind of sad to me that there are Christian leaders and there are Christian communities that are rushing to sound the alarms of perceived persecution. I might suggest they're just subtle, they're just inconveniences, inconveniences about not worshiping in person, but who quickly want to sound the alarm of persecution instead of being patient and doing the work of blessing. Bless and do not curse them. Be patient in suffering, Paul says. The musculature of love is relaxing and being patient even when the circumstances are difficult and dire. And then Paul says, and then Paul gives us a glimpse of what it means to breathe in these moments that make love work. Paul says, persevere in prayer. Again, the youth were an incredible inspiration to me, were an incredible inspiration because time and again I heard the youth speak last last weekend, and again, if you missed it, you can find the the youth worship service still on the South Elkhorn uh, website, southelkhorncc.org. Look for the sermons and look for the the sermon uh, for youth-led worship. The entire service is there in a video. And, And what I heard from each youth that spoke, that spoke refreshingly and honestly about what they had lost and what they had and what they, were sad, what they were sad about and what was difficult and challenging about this season from not going to church camp and seeing their friends to not being able to play baseball to, to missing out on the Kentucky basketball season to, to not going through graduation and the, and the closing months of a senior year. All of that sadness was so refreshingly and honestly shared. And then at the same time, this beautiful, beautiful recognition that there was also something learned and gained in this moment, including kind of reconnection, a reconnection to themselves, a reconnection to the people they love and they're closest to, and a reconnection to God. Each youth talked about this new sense of intimacy with God. And I realized in that moment that this this moment is a great gift and opportunity for us to reconnect with an intimacy with God. And so there's a prayer that sits on my it sits on my desk in my office, a prayer I, I see every, every time I'm in my office that I've seen for months and years because it sat there for a long time. And it has become so a part of the scenery when I enter my office that I almost forget it's there. And yet it's there for a reason because it reminds me to slow down and remember that God is present and remember that God perhaps is teaching me something in all the moments of instability and uncertainty and to let God lead me through this. It's a prayer by Pierre Tejard de Chardon, who was a French Jesuit priest. A prayer I've shared before in different settings and that I'll make available on a link on the sermon page of this sermon. 
uh, a prayer called Trust in the Lord of the Journey. And so inspired by our youth, each morning now I begin by praying this prayer. By praying this prayer, prayer, words I don't have to come up with, words I can just lean into, words that remind me to slow down and be patient and breathe in the presence of God. Fill my, fill my spirit with the love and presence of God until I can exhale the very peace of God. Yes, this moment is a tremendous gift. This difficulty, this hardship is a tremendous gift because we can focus on what makes love work. The posture of rejoicing, the musculature of patience, and the, the breathing of prayer that we might grow our capacity to love and love creatively because church, we were made for this moment. We are not, we are not, we were made for this moment. We follow a savior who sacrificed, who loved when the going got tough, and who showed up in the midst of great transition and turmoil in beautiful and creative and surprising ways. Church, we were made for moments like this because we know what it takes to love well, to love creatively, to love boldly, to keep on loving when the going gets tough. As we learn in Hebrews chapter 12, where that running metaphor takes shape yet again, that we've been called to run the race that is set before us and keep our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, who teaches us what it means to run well in the way of love, in the way of God's unconditional, all accepting, transformative love. Church, we were made for this moment. And so I am grateful to be on this journey with you as we learn again what it means to love and to keep on loving, especially in moments like this. I love you. I miss you. And I'm going to keep learning what it means to love right alongside you this day and every day. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkhorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.